is that they, they are deliberate and also they're effortful. They can be impaired when you're busy. So my rule about system two is that the definition of, of an operation of system two, that it's something you cannot do while you're making a left turn into traffic <laughs> because we're limited in our ability to exert effort. And both deliberate computations and self-control demand effort. Well, you have a very curious comment in your book. You say that uh, although System 2 believes itself to be where the action is, the automatic System 1 is the hero of your book. It certainly is, and I think it is the hero of our mental life, too. I mean, in the sense that most of the day, what we do is very largely skilled and automatic, and most of we do all day is is quite good because we're skilled at what we do and skilled activities belong with system one now when we think of who we are and of what we experience we experience ourselves thinking deliberately we experience ourselves doing things voluntarily and so our experience is very closely linked to system two much of what happens that i call system one activities are really unconscious we're not aware of what's going on we're not aware of what's going on within our memory as a word is said and all the associations of that word are activated in memory we're not aware of that process at all and so we are biased to think that we are our system two. But in fact, our system two, most of the time, does what is suggested by system one. It just endorses. Hmm. Now, the obvious question is whether we should basically trust system one, these kind of instinctive, intuitive responses, or whether we should try to check them more often because they're actually not very reliable. Well, very clearly, we have very little option in, in this matter. System two could not carry us through the day. Deliberation and thinking are costly and ineffective, and mostly we have to trust our habits, and we have to trust our perceptions, and we have to trust our impressions. But you say, I mean, much of your research has shown that a lot of those natural tendencies to trust our observations, they feed biases that are often actually very inaccurate. Absolutely correct. I mean, system one, it has a model of the world, but the model of the world that it operates in is very simplified. And system one is a machine for jumping to conclusions. So it operates on very little information as if it had more information. We're very rarely sensitive to what we don't know. We operate on whatever we know. We make the best story possible. And then there is a very striking characteristic of System 1. It is really stumped. That is, when System 1 faces a question that it cannot answer, it spontaneously will come up with the answer to another question, to a simpler one that it does have an answer to. And it is this process of answering the wrong question that very frequently leads to the mistakes that I've been studying. Give me one or two examples of this, how System 1 comes to the wrong conclusion. Well, suppose you ask people, they're about to travel abroad, and you offer insurance and ask how much they would be willing to pay for insurance. And in one case, the insurance is for something that happens during the trip, is for death for any reason. And in the other case, you offer them a policy that covers death in a terrorist incident. That study was done when there was a fair amount of terrorism in Europe, and it was done in the United States. People pay more for the second policy than for the first. Hmm. 
Even though the first presumably would, would include the second, right? It would include the second, and it, it would include many other forms of death which are a lot more likely than dying in an incident. But what happens is this. What we do when we buy insurance is we measure how afraid we are. That's a simpler question than how much should I be willing to pay for insurance. So a first check, what comes to mind immediately, is the reaction which is basically the intensity of the fear that I experience. And then you map that intensity of fear into a number, an amount of dollars that you're willing to pay for insurance. That is answering the wrong question. You have a number of fascinating stories that you tell in your book, and one of them is about an experience you had when you were doing national service in the Israeli army. It was a test called the Leaderless Group Challenge. Can you describe this? Yes, I can. As part of my service, I was involved in the selection of candidates for officer training school. And one of the tests that we have...